Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. As we continue our journey with the letter from James, we learn that in the life of faith, a posture of openness is essential to allow God to form us, even if we don't like it. He gives us the key to a growing faith in Christ that will lead us to live as Christ says. About two years ago, a documentary was released on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. I don't know who told me about it. I just remember hearing about it and was told, you should really watch this. This is very, very enlightening. And essentially, you can still watch it to this day, just type in Social Dilemma. It's a documentary regarding uh, how we, as a society, get information through our online services. The hook, the hook of the documentary is, did you know that if you were to type something into Google, the auto results are different if you were to live in Ohio as opposed to if you lived in, say, California? So, like, for example, if you wanted to go look up something like climate change, the autofill in Ohio is different than the autofill in California. And so this documentary begins to uncover what our online services are. At the end of the day, our online services are companies looking to make money. And really, the social media conglomerates, the, the, the search engines, yada, 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 make money based on keeping our attention. And so every single thing that you have searched for, every single thing that you have liked, every single meme that you have shared says something about you. And these companies have a profile on you that they push you content. They push you content. So if you liked this particular political affiliation, guess what? Most people who are with that political affiliation like this content, and we push you down the rabbit hole of all kinds of things. The horror of the social dilemma is that, quite frankly, these companies are not here to enrich and share good information. We're just a product to keep attention, to make money off. It's very, very enlightening. But it makes sense why we have seen polar opposite ideology become deeper and more ingrained within us as a people. Because once you have liked, once you have searched, you go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole of this information silo regardless of whether or not it's actually factual. Is it disturbing? Yes. (laughs) I've had people tell me, even though I have read a peer-reviewed article, whether it be in religion or science or history or whatever it might be, say, that's your opinion. No, that's not my opinion. That's what I read by people who are in this particular area. And they have been told by their peers, yeah, they did good work here. Or no, they didn't do good work here. And it wouldn't be peer-reviewed then anymore. We've become this, well, because I saw it in my search engine, because I saw it on my social media, it's obviously true. 
But you know, the great Abraham Lincoln once said, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Some of you got that. (laughs) The reality of it is, is that we are becoming more polarized by the things that we have liked. We've become more closed to people who think differently than us, even if they are factually correct. And so, what do you do in a world where my truth is my truth and you can do nothing about it? The thing of it is, is that James, quite frankly, last week, showed us that to live in faith to God means to be continuously open to God and what He provides. It's actually a very opposite posture. If anything, Christians are some of the most open people because our faith is in a constant openness to God, seeking God for how to know and how to be and how to live and everything. You have a problem, you go to God and seek His wisdom. You have somebody who has hurt you, you go to God and His teachings. Faith is... Every piece of my life, I go back to Him to figure out how He is calling me to live in this moment. How to be a presence of love. How to bring about peace in the world. And in that, our faith is static. We continuously, we do the same thing over and over and over again. What do we do, God? What do we do, God? What do we do, God? And as we learn and as God speaks, we live our faith out in dynamic ways because every single one of us has a different life and different circumstances. But it always comes back to looking like Jesus. Always. A Christian life always comes back to Jesus. And so James, as he continues and finishes his introduction today, he sort of gives the people who read this, and us, a primer that maybe some of the things that we're going to be challenged with are going to be things that we don't like, we might react strongly to. So he gets out in front of it and shares right from the get-go in his introduction about how to approach some of the things that God has called us to be as Christians. So we're going to be in James chapter 1, beginning with verse 16. Get your apps out, your Bibles out, or it will be on the screen for you. We're we're reading from the Common English Bible. And again, all of what we learned last week about faith and going to God for everything is continuing over into this next portion. So the concept of, hey, don't be double-minded. In other words, don't Act like you're following God and then also do all these other things that you know. Don't don't do that. Double-mindedness doesn't work out. That continues on in this piece. So here we go. James 1, beginning with verse 16. Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of the heavenly lights, in whose character there is no change at all. 
James is basically saying, hey, God's good, and he gives good gifts. He chose to give us birth by his true word, and here is the result. We are like the first crop from the harvest of everything he created. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. This is because an angry person does not produce God's righteousness, and therefore with humility set aside all moral filth and growth of wickedness and welcome the word planted deep inside of you, the very word that is able to save you. You must be doers of the word, and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but do not do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, they walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But those, there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives, and they will be blessed in whatever they do. If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless. True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this. To care for orphans and widows and their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. He starts out, well, he continues on, really, with the same premise. God is good. God is generous. When we respond to God in faith, we come up to him and say, God, what do we do in this moment? He is happy to offer us how to live, how to speak, how to act, all of these things. God is good, and he gives us every good and perfect gift. Now, some of you are thinking, my perfect gift, of course, is a Tesla Model X. No, that's not what we're talking about here. Some of you, it's like, no, I want a truck. I know. <laughs> that's not the kind of gifts that James is insinuating here. James is, in, is talking about the kind of gifts that bring about good in the world. The kind of gifts that Jesus lived himself. So this kind of gift that where we forgive people who everybody else say, how can you forgive that person? Or the kind of actions that bring about peace in the world that are completely different than the rest of the world. Every good gift, every way that we are to live in faith is given by God and you can rely on Him to do these things. And the great gift that he gives is his word. Now we're going to have a, a small little addendum about the word, word. The word, word. <laughs> James, being the brother of Jesus, is Jewish. He has a complete vision of the world through the lenses of the Jewish faith. Now Christians are an addendum to that. And so what we begin to understand is that James, when he says the word, word, that has been planted within us, remember that in verse, uh, I don't remember the numbers very well, uh, 18, he, gives, he chose to give us birth by his true word. 
It's a very, very heavy word. Because we're not exactly sure what he means. You know, a word can be just a word, or it can mean something far greater than that. For example, uh, when in the beginning, when God created the earth and the heavens, he did so by speaking a word. So the very God has created with a word. He's given birth to us by his speech. But then also at the same time, if you continue on through the Old Testament, God gives birth to a people through the covenants that he makes with Abraham, that he makes with Moses and the people in the Exodus. And the words that he speaks in those covenants give birth to a life. A life that is structured by Him being God and not making images of Him that you can control and do not steal from each other and do not kill each other. The Word of God gives us the very ways of life that the people of Israel are called to live. And then God's Word comes through the prophets throughout all of the Old Testament that speak truth to power and in different circumstances often gets in trouble because they say things that Israel doesn't fully like. And yet it's still God's word that has been given. Last but not least, John in, the gospel, in his gospel says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Who is the word? Jesus, the Son of God. The Word has been given and has been planted within us in Jesus. And so as Jesus has taught, as Jesus lived, as Jesus, yes, even died, we come to the realization that His Word is the Word that is to spring out of anybody who believes in Him. And it comes forth in living in a certain kind of way. So we trust Jesus when He speaks about some of the things that we don't necessarily want to talk about. The church has been guilty with downplaying what Jesus said very often to adopt ways of people in Israel of the Old Testament. I've seen it so many times. Man, we need to have the Ten Commandments everywhere. What about the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are suffering. Jesus is the Word, and we begin to live out His Word in our very lives. And that's what James is here to tell us. This is what it means to live with the Word implanted in our lives. And it looks like certain things. And as we go forward in this letter, there's going to be some things that James talks about that's like, no, James, I don't want to live like that. So, what does he do? He gives a fair warning. He gives a fair warning. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. 
Why? Because Jesus has something to say about how we treat other people. Jesus has something to say about those of us who have greater wealth than others. Jesus has something to say about who we are called to care for and draw our attention to in the world. And a lot of us aren't doing it. So when we hear James recapitulate what Jesus said, he's saying, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Because quite frankly, God's word has come to us and looks to transform us. And if we are in a position of, "Mm, but, but, mm, please let's never isolate that recording and make it into anything, please. But, uh, when we do that, we're automatically rejecting what has been said. And we cannot allow God's word to transform us. Ryan Hansen says it this way, a restrained tongue and anger allow one to more readily hear God's transformative word. Now, I know what you're doing right now. You know somebody. You say, oh, yeah, that person. Oh, they get so angry when I talk about God's word. No, 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 no. This is to us. James is a letter to Christians, not to your atheist neighbor, not to that person who you disagree with and everything like that. This is to you and I, those of us who follow Christ. We need to be really careful about that, prescribing something like that to somebody else. No, 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 we are called to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Because once we have heard God's word, it is vital for us to act on it. Because when we are quick to speech and anger, we block access to the divine transformative word. We come to the realization that God is calling us forward and there is always something that we might need to go to him with and say, you know what? I was wrong. Christians are to be the most teachable people in the entire world. And if we are not, we will so often miss out on what God wants to do in us. We're blocking access to his word. Now, if you're not a Christian, quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry is like the perfect advice. Amen? (laughs) Like if you just take this completely out of context and just take this one word, everything in your life will be better if you're quick to listen and slow to speak. Your relationship, your marriage, your friendships, how you see the world, everything. It is great advice. It really is. And I am completely and utterly willing to say, hey, if, there, if that's the one thing that you need to hear today, great. But I want you to know something. God didn't just come to give us good advice for life. He created us. He gives us a brand new life in his son. He has saved us from our sin. He has saved us from death. And so God's not just here to give us good advice. He's here to give us a brand new life that will shake the foundations of our world that bring about goodness and justice and love and mercy and truth in the world. Don't just go to God for 
I, I understand. I need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. What else does he want to do through your life? What else does he want to do through our lives? Because here's the reality. James has set forth a kind of faith that when we go to him in faith, he gives us all that we need to live like his son. To live just like Jesus. To feed the hungry and clothe the naked and care for those who are on the margins. To be people who do not do things out of self, selfish motives, but rather look to bring about His will, which is goodness and faithfulness and justice. So don't just hear the advice. Actually receive the very life that Jesus has given given. God gives gifts that will change your life. Ryan Hansen says this, God gives gifts that dramatically transform the world like an earthquake that fractures the status quo. You're not happy about the way the world is? Neither is God. But the key to all of this is adopting what God wants to bring forth in the world, not us or not any of the other people that we hear in our lives. Because if we bring, us, bring along our own ways or our own will, or if we bring along the ways of the way the world is, guess what? We're misled, double-minded, foolish people. That's what James is saying. It'll just be like going and looking at the mirror and forgetting what you look like as soon as you walk away. You forget who you are. We are his disciples, and we are called to live like he did. So really, at the end of the day, everybody, what is James doing here? You've heard it for decades. It's up here on the screen. James is imploring his fellow followers of Christ to be who they say they are. Next slide, next slide. James is telling us to be who we say that we are. If you talk the talk, you are walking the walk. I have Jesus in my life. What are you doing about that sin that you are continuing? I have Jesus in my life. What are you doing in regards to when somebody comes up to you with a different perspective? Are you being mean to them with the words that you have? I have Jesus in my life. Are you caring for widows and orphans? Does that feel like a plot twist here at the end when James says, you know what this looks like? It looks like we care for orphans and widows and their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. After everything about word, it's just like, now about those orphans. Now about those widows. The reason is, is because there is not a difference between word and action. As God spoke, action happened. As we speak, we are to be acting as well. So it's not just about how we talk to one another and how we are receiving things from God. It's also, hey, if you claim Christ, you're a person who is slow to get angry and slow to speak and you listen. 
but you're also a person where your mindset is to caring for those who are most marginalized in our world. Orphans and widows. And you're not double-minded. You're not going to let the world contaminate you. I remember growing up and hearing this preached, and I remember assigning contamination to individual people. You know, if you hang out with that person who swears and chews and goes out with girls who do, you're going to become like them. No. That's not what James is saying here. He is talking about how the world works and allowing how the world works to contaminate you in such a way as saying, well, there's always going to be poor people around us. Well, there's, it's just the way things are. Why would I act any differently? See, temptation comes from within us and from the things that we have heard. Not from the person who is sinning. Sure, there might be temptation there, but at the end of the day, the temptation is still within you. Remember, James already talked about this last week. Sin comes from the cravings that we have. So don't let the world contaminate you. In other words, y'all, we can't say that we're following Christ and adopting some of the very popular beliefs and philosophies of our world that just say, well, that's the way it is, or this is the best way. And now I'm going to sound a little, some of you are going to be like, I'm really mad about what he's about to say, but here's the deal. This is exactly what Jesus said. Take care of those who are hungry. Take care of those who are poor. Take care of those who are orphans and widows. It does not matter if they are from this country or not. It does not matter if they're in a different economy than us. That's not the answer. The church are to be people who care, period. And how double-minded are we if we go ahead and, and vote or do or live in ways that continually perpetuate economic disparity, inequity in this world. We're just saying that we follow Christ. We don't actually live it. How many pastors have you heard take Jesus' words, it is easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? And just sort of, uh, you know what they're talking about here. No. As is, y'all. As is. And that makes us uncomfortable. This is why James is saying, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Some of us have said, oh, I don't need to forgive somebody whenever Jesus explicitly says, you will be judged by how you judge others. You will be forgiven as you have forgiven others. And some of us continue to judge and forgive in ways that are not Christ-like. Quick to listen and slow to speak. Go to God to help you with this. Don't claim Christ and keep doing the same sins over and over again. 
Don't claim Christ and ignore orphans and, and widows who are made by a broken world or maybe by the, the very world that we helped create. Don't claim Christ and get mad when you hear Scripture calling you out and you're like, you know what? No, I'm not going to change. Hold the phone there, y'all. I can do this just as much. Don't claim Christ and adopt the way that the world says, well, this is just the way it works. Injustice is injustice, friends. Violence is violence, friends. And when we are called to be people of love, people of peace, people of generosity, we don't start looking to the world for our standards. We go to Christ, who emptied everything on the cross so that you and I might have life. So may we empty our lives to give the same kind of life that Jesus gives to us, to others. Essentially, James is telling us, hey, it's important that you live as a friend of God, not as a friend of the world. Live as a friend of God and not as a friend of the world. Nate's going to really appreciate this, this last story that I have because he's a music teacher. I obviously had music teachers growing up. I am not a prodigy. That wasn't cool, huh? No. I had some really wonderful teachers who... Um, gave, not only worked with me on a daily basis to understand music and, and things like that. My first instrument was a saxophone. But my middle school band teacher, Mrs. White, thanks Mrs. White, made us practice an hour outside of the five hours that we played at school. This is what I had, to, I'm not joking, on the weekends I had to sit somewhere in the house or sometimes outside because I think I drove my mom nuts and I practiced my saxophone for an hour and then my mom would write a note stating he practiced an hour this past week and I would submit it to Mrs. White on Monday. It's rough. But practice is the key to becoming a saxophone player. Practice is the key to becoming a guitar player, piano player, yada, yada, yada. Well, a little bit later on in life, I became a private music instructor. I began to teach some piano and some guitar for some people who I knew. And I would say, you got to make sure you practice every single time. There were times that I would ask them, hey, did you get to practice this week? Just to see what they you know, would say and things like that. But there were other times where I did not. I just let them start playing the thing that we reviewed last week. Guess what? I could tell if they practiced or not. <laughs> because even if they were to maybe fit, yeah, I got to practice a little bit and things like that, the way they played showed how much they practiced. And I'm here to share with you, friends, that our actions and our attitudes and the words that we speak, if we say we are Christian, but our practice is not, people know where you are. We are known for what we do. 
We are known for what we say. We are known for what, well, we are called to be. And Christians are called to live like Christ. And you can go to him every single time when it's hard. When it's hard to forgive that person, you can go to him and he will give you strength. When it is hard to to just get outside of your comfort zone and begin to look to the marginalized of our world and begin to do something about it, you can go to him and he will give you the strength and the resources to live in that way. When you want to say the thing that you want to say, you can go to God and he might cause you to bite your tongue. (laughs) He gives you every good and perfect gift to live like Christ, friends. So where is our faith? Is it constant, relying upon Him? Or are we just being double-minded and bringing the stuff that we bring with us, saying, eh, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and say that I'm a Christian? James calls that out pretty clearly. We have to practice who we say we are. We have to be shaped by God and God alone and the word that he gives. Otherwise, we're like fools who look into a mirror and forget what we look like as we go away. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.